I'm Jack Moylan, and you're listening to Let's Talk Business, a podcast geared towards young professionals served with a side of witty commentary. At Lutz, we rally around the mantra, make light, meaning be lighthearted, illuminate solutions, and create energy. We hope this episode will do just that. Let's make the complex simple. Welcome to another episode of Let's Talk Business. Today, we're bringing a little bit of a new spin on the podcast. We've got an outside guest. We're going to do an entrepreneurship interview. Here with me is award-winning entrepreneur and founder of Well-Traveled Kids Luxury Travel Blog, you know, and trips by Well-Traveled Kids Travel Agency, Sarah Stopek Hirsch. Thank you so much for joining us today. I'm excited. I know we got a chance to talk a week or so ago briefly on the phone. So I'm excited to get a little bit deeper into your story and, and what you do currently. But could you really give us a brief where you're from, you know, where you've lived and maybe how you know Lisa Strutzel? Yes. Hi. Thank you so much for inviting me on today. I'm thrilled to talk about entrepreneurship. It's one of my favorite subjects. And I get really excited talking to people who have dreams of one day setting out on their own and becoming entrepreneurs. I live on the North Shore of Chicago in Highland Park, which is just, you know, 20 miles north of Chicago. And I've known Lisa for years. Her and my husband have been work colleagues for years. And I've been lucky to bump into her at conferences from time to time. And she's just such a great person. We became fast friends. Yes. And we were always happy. Hi, Sarah. And it was always good when Sarah's husband was going to be at a meeting because then we could have fun and we knew Sarah was going to be there. And she usually coordinated some of our activities and they were always the best activities that were coordinated. Well, <laughs> that we did. I, yeah. I, yeah, well, I, thank think, you. <laughs> I think if you're going to travel for work, you might as well make it super fun, especially when you have meetings and great destinations. So I was always happy to do the research and find out you know, where the hotspots were for these meetings that you guys would travel to. That's a great point. I mean, I can't imagine how many people out there simply travel for work and then that's all that they end up doing is, is going back to their hotel and attending work events, right? Like you're, you're in these great places. You might as well enjoy it. Totally. Yeah. Or you just order room service when there's an amazing restaurant that's won all sorts of awards right down the street. So yeah, I love doing the research and saying, hey, let's go to this bar or this restaurant. Let's see the town for the one night we're here. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. So, and again, Lisa, and sorry, for, that. sorry yes. for not introducing you. We're also joined by Lisa Strutzel, been on the show before on the podcast. So again, you always bring it's us always very, fun. very exciting, interesting guests. So thanks again. And Sarah is one of the most interesting. So. Well, thank awesome. you. Well, if you don't mind, you know, if, if we could get into kind of your background and your story a little bit, I was extremely interested and had a great time talking to you about it. Can you kind of give us your background on how you got into, you know, just being an entrepreneur and some of the ups and downs, I suppose, because I think those are some of the more interesting parts of the story. Sure. I think people get into entrepreneurship for all different reasons, but the best entrepreneurs that I know did it because they were passionate about something. They had a dream and they were confident that they could bring their dream into reality better than anybody else was doing. And that sort of is what happened in my situation, although I never 
grew up knowing that I was going to be an entrepreneur. Growing up, we lived in smaller towns. I lived in West Virginia as a kid, and then we moved to central Illinois as a kid. And in those towns, the people that my parents knew and that I were I was mostly exposed to were more traditional professionals, you know, teachers, engineers, lawyers, doctors. And so it was always really important to me that I get an education, but I hadn't really ever thought about potential of becoming an entrepreneur. That said, when I was a little girl, I was always coming up with businesses and running like sales from my house where I would like invite my sisters and their friends to come buy my things out of my room. Or I started a newspaper and I went around and got all the little kids to like write up stories about what was happening in the neighborhood and went around selling the newspaper to the neighbors. So I definitely had, you know, a little of the special pixie dust that I think breeds an entrepreneur early on, whether I knew it or not. I went I'm to sure a part of it was also a love of independence and being able to do what you want, right? Oh, a hundred percent. I'm all about freedom and independence and making your own rules and living your best life. So even at a young age, that was me altogether. And that kind of explains how I ended up in this road. When I was a kid, I was always really intrigued by doctors and medicine. And I went to college and I majored in chemistry. And my junior year, I was working my summer interning at the hospital. And I would round with different doctors and learn about all the medicine and different specialties that I could potentially go into if I went to med school. And that summer, I realized that I didn't want to be a doctor, mostly because of exactly what you said. There wasn't a lot of freedom. These doctors were complaining about their hours, their time. And I was a little scared, but I went home and I told my parents, I know you paid for me to take the MCAT. I know you paid for me to do my first round of applications to med school and these secondary apps are coming in. But I don't know how to tell you this. I don't want to be a doctor. And lucky for me, my parents were super cool about it and very encouraging. And they said, okay, well, you've got a senior year left. Why don't you take as many business classes as you can? And I was fortunate. I had already fulfilled my science major and I was able to stack my senior year with business courses and get a business minor. And so at the end of the year... I started looking at opportunities, kind of what can I do with chemistry and business? And that love of freedom came up. I was interviewing and looked at pharmaceutical sales jobs. And this guy who was like 24 was at a job fair. You know, here I was 22 with my new degree. And he's like, yeah, if you get this job, you get a company car, you get a company computer, you get a company expense account, and you know you get to go out and sell to doctors and educate them on what these drugs do. And I was like, you are speaking my language. Like I get to decide where I go, when I go, how I sell. And so from there, that's what I went into. But it was at a time when all these new drugs were being launched and I was constantly getting giveaways to give to the doctors that were, you know, any sort of, you know, pens and notepads, but also higher end gifts. And I started really liking the marketing of the drugs more than selling the drugs themselves. I really enjoyed 
all the tchotchkes I was giving away. And I loved having events and giving away things like golf balls and doing events at Wrigley Field and doing Cubs hats and giving away, you know, Cubs stuff with the drug logoed stuff. Well, and they weren't any like just small time events either. I remember you, you gave me a couple examples. There were actually some pretty intense, really cool events that you had. Yeah. I mean, for a young kid, I was doing a lot of entertaining where I was running out the entire rooftop at Wrigley Field on a regular basis and ordering shirts that had drug names, hats that had drug names. I was like taking doctors to concerts and, you know, I was doing all this entertaining and it was all around sort of the marketing of these drugs. And I liked the marketing and I got to know these guys that I was buying all this swag with the drug names on. And they were like, Sarah, you know, if you've got this kind of budget, like imagine what your entire company's budget is for promos. Mm -hmm. And it was like my eyes lit up when I thought of the potential of it. And they're like, you you should come work for us and you could sell to your company and other drug companies, and the world would be your oyster. And that kind of became my new, like, entrepreneurial mantra is the world is my oyster. So I went to work for them. And and this was sort of my first step towards entrepreneurism is I became an independent salesperson. So they didn't pay me any salary. I was full commission. And very quickly for, I mean, at that point, I think I was 25, for a young 25-year-old, I had a ton of drug companies wanting to work with me because I was much more sophisticated than your everyday tchotchke sales guy coming to knock. You know, I had, I had been trained by the best of the best in pharma and I was selling right back to their marketing departments. And so I was having all this success bringing in this business. And I went to the guys who owned my company and I said, look, I'm not good at the details of putting in these orders, like, but I can really land accounts. And if I had more time to just go land big accounts, if you would hire me a team, I could be 10 times as successful as I'm right now because I only have so much time. And they looked at me and they said, oh, Sarah, you're just looking to shoot for the fences, swing for the fences all day. You need to just be happy with singles and doubles. You need to just do your work and be happy with it. And in that moment, that was when the light went on inside my head, like, well, if you don't want to do it for me, I'm going to do it for myself because life's too short to, you know, just be happy with singles and doubles. I do want to swing for the fences. And so that was when I decided I need to start my own company. It's really funny. I think they want you to dream big until it's bigger than them. So, yeah. Right. It, right. It, and that's just it. I was already, I, my business was going to be bigger than all of their business. Sure. And I knew it and I could see the vision so clearly in my head. But like I said before, growing up, everyone I knew was more in professional roles, you know, teachers, engineers, accountants, that sort of thing. And so I really had to look outside of my immediate network for inspiration on how was I going to go about starting a company? I mean, I really didn't know. And fortunately for me, I had just that same year joined a philanthropy board here in Chicago. And I got to know a lot of the board members through the volunteer work I was doing. And so everybody who owned their own company, I would just ask them to lunch. And I didn't even know these people that well at the time, 
but I would ask him to lunch and I would just say, tell me how you started your business. I want to hear your story. This was in the process of you trying to start your own business, right? It was me kind of getting the courage to figure it all out. Yeah. And so over maybe a month and a half, I took probably 10 or 12 different people to lunch. And one of the people I took to lunch was a guy who owned his own corporate real estate company. And he's like, look, Sarah, there's nothing I did that you couldn't do. And if you think you're ready to go out on your own, I will help you find really cool space you know, in downtown Chicago, because part of my dream was opening this boutique ad agency that had a full on showroom Mm -hmm. in Chicago. And he's like, I want to take care of you and make sure that like you find the right space and something you can afford. And just him like offering me that olive branch started to make it real, like, okay, I could have a real space. And so then it was just like, the universe kind of lined up, like as things would start happening, I saw that there was going to be a women's entrepreneurial conference at Navy Pier in Chicago, like a week later. And so I bought a ticket, not really knowing what it was. And I ended up sitting kind of right towards the front at the luncheon where they gave awards to women business owners who had, you know, risen to different triumphs in business. And I remember so clearly this woman who won the rising star award because she was my same age. She was 28 years old. And there was something about her when she spoke and accepted her award that she just seemed just like me. And I thought this girl started her own business and is up on stage and Navy Pier winning an award. I'm going to do that. That's going to be me. And so I found out that that same organization ran some classes to learn how to become an entrepreneur, had learned how to start your own business. And they offered the six-week class that I could take at night and build a business plan. And they had advisors that would work with you during the week. And it was like a hundred bucks. I mean, it was super affordable, right? So I signed up for this class. And in six weeks, I had written my entire business plan. I knew exactly who I wanted my clients to be. I knew exactly how I was going to market to them. And then they helped me build a plan on how to go to banks and ask for money. And at the same time, I started looking with my friend at space and I found this amazing space that was a sublease that I could totally get within my budget in one of the top buildings on Michigan Avenue in Chicago. It was on the 35th floor overlooking the Chicago River and Michigan Avenue. Had a huge, beautiful showroom. And I was like, okay, like I've got the place, I've got the plan. Now all I needed was the money. And I went to probably... 10 banks saying, look, like this is who the clients I have now. I'm sure they'll come with me. I'm sure I'll have business right away. Will you please loan me the money to go off on my own? (laughs) And the banks were all very nice, but they said, no. (laughs) How much time was that when you were going with talking to banks and trying to acquire, get the money? You know, it was a period of probably three to four months, I was like in a hurry to get this done. And I knew the space was out there. And, you know, so it it maybe, maybe only three months because it was quick. I mean, I was determined and I was spending all my money when I wasn't selling to go sort of sell the idea of me going off on my own. And so I went ahead and I started my own LLC to kind of get myself incorporated the right way and still like nothing from the banks. And my coach at the business development center said, you need to go to friends and family. And honestly, like 
I don't come from wealth. I didn't know who would help me. The only person I could think of was my grandmother had lived in her house for, you know, years and years. She fully owned it. And I went to her and asked her, like, would you take out a home loan for me to start my business? And it was the biggest gift she could give. She didn't even hesitate. She said, Sarah, I believe in you. You've always been a success at everything you've done. I will absolutely loan you the money. And I was shocked. Like she didn't hem and haw over it or anything. And so we went to the bank and she loaned me $250,000. And I started my company, Sublime Promotions, with the goal of building it up and really becoming the name in tchotchkes. And that was 29. Is there any part of you that thinks that that money coming from your grandma maybe meant or or had a little more gravity to it than just getting money from a bank? Oh, yeah. That was my ticket that I had to succeed. There was no turning back. And the funny thing is, it seemed I was so young. It seemed like so much money. And so I went out and I hired like all these more people than I needed. I spent (laughs) more money than I needed. And suddenly I was right. The business did come in. I Not only did I work with pharmaceutical companies, but I had my promo accounts included like Orbitz travel, kayak travel. I was working on Corona. I was working with banks. I was very successful in getting big corporate accounts, just like I knew I would be. But what I didn't account for was the cash flow that was needed in order to fulfill the orders every month, make payroll. And before I knew it, that money I had borrowed was just about out. But I was being a success. And my business was built up. I I had a million dollar business overnight, but suddenly I was out of money. But at this time, I had... I had had the business, I had the real estate, I had the people, and I had the accounts. So now the banks would work with me. Now they would give me a line of credit. And we had to be paying higher rates at first. But then over time, you know, we built a really nice relationship with the bank. And this all, I started my company in 2004. And so for four years, we were gangbusters. And then in 2008, by then I was doing business with UPS. I had like just a lot of really large accounts. Mm-hmm. And then in September of 2008, you know, the banks Crash. sort of crashed. Right. And I was like, here I am, a woman-owned business. I don't know, you know, when I'm taking these huge orders from my clients, are they going to be in business when this order comes in? Will they pay sure. And so fortunately, I just had built such great relationships with them. I was able to go to them and say, you know, I need you to start prepaying your orders. And so then that put me in a great cash position. And I decided at that point, I needed to decide, am I going to grow? And what am I going to do? I went through a program at Harvard on strategy and worked with some people there. And ultimately, it was going to be me continuing, obviously, to invest more and more in my business. In the time I was newly married, I knew I wanted to have children. And I was just kind of tired of working so hard at building it. And I was ready to sell it. That was one of the options that the strategist at Harvard's like, yeah, you could sell it. You've got all this cash. You've been charging people ahead of time. And so I kind of sat down with myself and thought, 
who would be the best business to buy this business? And what would I be proud of? I've just put, you know, four and a half years into building this business and I've won all these awards. I ended up winning the same award that I started. Yes. Yes. And Martha Stewart was like the keynote speaker the day that I won the award. And I was also at Navy Pier and the woman who inspired me, her and I are great friends now. So it's, it it is kind of a small world of entrepreneurship and, And, and I really was able to set my sights on things and make them happen. And I decided I would really like to sell to a public company. I'd really like to get cash for my business. And I'd really like to eventually do something different. And it was like, once I got clear on my intention, it again, it all sort of fell into place. I started putting out the word with people I knew that I wanted to sell my business. And one of my vendors made an introduction to me to a company that was buying similar businesses to mine. And very quickly it happened. I was able to sell my business to a public company for a cash payout, which was great. And despite a bad time in the economy, I did quite well selling my business, but I did have to stay on with this new company. And I I started working again in a public company, which I hadn't done for years Mm -hmm. and very quickly realized, nope, I'm an entrepreneur. I I can't, (laughs) I can't ask for a million people to sign off. If I want to do something, I want to do it. I want to do it now. And that's what got me into what I'm doing now is I started asking, well, questions of myself, what would I want to do next? And I had a pretty steep non-compete that I couldn't be in the world of marketing and advertising anymore. So I needed to come up with something different, but I had been going, traveling a lot, especially with my husband to, you know, fancy hotels where I'd run into Lisa at meetings. And I thought, well, I just want to work. I swear. Yeah, it was all work. (laughs) And I was like, I just want a job where I can travel to great luxury properties, bring my kid and my husband. And then I thought, well, what if I made that my job? And I started looking online and there weren't a lot of luxury family travel blogs that talked about all the fine hotels in the world and like where you can go with kids, where they make family travel really amazing. There were tons of blogs that were like, how to go to Disney on a dime or how to survive a weekend with your kids, but not much on like how to really experience, right. How to thrive on, on vacation and experience the best of a vacation with as a family. And so I started well-traveled kids about seven years ago. And now I have about 30 writers who have families of different sizes and kids of different ages who review luxury travel destinations, hotels, resorts all over the world. And then two years ago, I started Luxury Trips by Well-Traveled Kids, where I partnered with a big agency out of New York, Magma Global, and I am a independent for them. And now I'm able to book the fabulous resorts that we write about. So if you read one of my reviews and you think, I want to take my kids there, I can book it for you and you'll get all the perks that we get when we go. So, you know, free breakfast, room upgrades and things like that. So that's kind of how my entrepreneurial journey has gone. And it's much more focused now on me having fun than uh, initially when it was me building a brand and, you know, trying to dominate the Chicago market. Now it's more focused on really fun travel and sharing my love of like great resorts and 
like Lisa said, fun things to do and in destinations when you're going to be there and just really encouraging families to see the potential that they can get out there and make the most of their time off and make memories together as families. And that's what I'm passionate about. That's fantastic. I love that. So how has the last, you said seven years has has been, the last seven years has been well-traveled kids. How has the last 18 months been? Crazy. So like I said, about two years ago, I started the travel agent half of well-traveled kids. And I was just really building that. And last January, I had booked tons of spring break trips for people. Like it was really going to be the biggest time I had grown brand awareness around this. And then by March 1st, I was canceling them all. And it was literally crickets for 10 months. I've had no business. And as an entrepreneur who focused the last seven years on travel in general, it was really an identity crush for me. Like, what am I now? What future do I have in the travel industry? Do I even want to try to continue to be a travel advisor? Will people travel the same again? What will it be? You know, these are the questions I'm asking myself. And then I'm also wondering do I need to reinvent myself again? And if so, what do I want to do next? And what do I feel passionate about? Do I enjoy that I would want to invest in starting a new business? Mm-hmm. And so those are the questions I was asking myself. And to be honest, I mean, it, it, it's depressing when you're at home and there's nobody traveling and like, you know, nobody's going to travel anytime soon. Right. And then in December, It was like the week before Christmas and I looked at my husband. I'm like, look, I get every travel update from the industry. Everything is saying it's safe to go to Hawaii. Hawaii has all these places, things in in place where you have to pre-COVID test. You you have to certify with the state to go. I'm like, I think we need to go to Hawaii. We need to travel. I need to see like what it is for myself because I've been hearing, you know, what it's like to stay in hotels these days, whatever. I just need to know. And like, we need to experience it. And so we went to Hawaii and it was amazing. We did it in like a week's notice. We went to Hawaii, which normally that's a trip you'd probably plan several months in advance. And going there and just seeing, okay, paradise still exists. Hotels have figured out this COVID game now, like every hotel brand. And I wanted to stay at four different hotels to understand what different corporate hotel brands have put in place for their protocols of cleaning, of running the hotel. And I can tell you every hotel is doing it differently, but they're all doing it well. I mean, to different extents on the rules, but there's never been a cleaner, better time to stay in a hotel. I mean, you know, that's for sure. And it just gave me hope and it like lit me up inside being there. Like, you know what? I do still love travel and people need to know that there are safe places to go now. Mm-hmm. And I came back and I got, I took to my social media and my networks and my, you know, newsletter groups and things and said, Hey, I just got back from Hawaii. I, re- I wrote up some of my hotel experiences. If you are tired of being cooked up and you want a safe place to go, I recommend flying direct, getting all your testing done. And you can know that like, you're going to wear a mask. It's the same as everywhere else, but like the beaches are still amazing. The pools are still amazing. The restaurants are open. There's live music at night. 
And if you just need to know that exists in this world, I recommend booking it. Right. And literally it's like a, a switch was flipped overnight. And I went from being like barely even opening email ever to like, I'm getting so much email. I'm working on the weekends now. I can't keep up. Everybody wants to book last minute spring break. And it's a combination. Some people are ready to go places like Florida, Hawaii, you know, take Mexico, the Bahamas. Other people just want to book a stay downtown Chicago and get away for a couple nights with their kids locally, just to feel like they have a change of pace and swim in a pool, you know, but I'm really glad I didn't give up on my dream because I do love travel. And I just, I do love knowing the like talking to somebody and being like, Oh, I know the perfect property for you. You, you love this, this, and this I've got to send you here. And that lights me up inside. And I think when it comes to being an entrepreneur, the best entrepreneurs I know are like that. They love what they do and they know who their clients are and what's right for what type of clients. And that gives them such joy and fulfillment, you know, and they get to make their own rules and, at their Absolutely. own time, then that's pretty great too. Well, that's great. I, I mean, I imagine, like you said, people are going to start saying, wow, I need to get out. I need to go enjoy myself. At the end of this, if you don't mind staying on, I've got some questions about Portland, Oregon. So I'm going there in May. <laughs> oh, so, um, but no, I I think your story is, is so fascinating. You know, one of the consistent themes on, on our podcast is, you know, small business or entrepreneurship or what it takes to create a team. And I guess my question for you is who are some of the most uh, important people along your journey from a sense of professional services? Because we have a lot of accountants here. So did you find a really solid accountant that you trusted or a really solid lawyer? I mean, how, how important were they? Oh my gosh. So important. So a couple of things. First, I think if you're starting out in business, If you want to be a small business, that's all you're going to be. So if you want to be a big business, you need to think big and pay for the professional services that deal with the big businesses out there. And I think it's hard sometimes to stomach the cost of a really good attorney or the cost of a really good accountant, but boy, do they pay off. One of the smartest things I did when I owned Sublime Promotions is I knew myself that I am not a financial person at all. So the first hire, I hired a CFO and she researched this really great accounting software that was industry specific. And so the day we started, she started and our first orders on our first day were taken in this very expensive accounting software that I I wasn't sure if we should buy. But because of that, because of the first day, we were super organized in that when I went to sell my company and they were looking for all the numbers and the history and everything. It was like a push of a button and she could get them any report they needed. The other thing is definitely my accountant. It's funny when I met my husband who is an accountant, he kind of, I love that he spoke business and like he was interested in my business and he, you know, I was able to talk to him about things that were going on in my business. And one of the first things was he's like, I don't like your accountant and he's not, he's not going to get you where you want to go. And he's like, I think we, I think you need to switch and here's who I think you should switch to. And having come from my husband had worked in, you know, one of the big five accounting firms and he knew one of his friends who had gone off and started his own firm. And that accountant 
became so important in my life when I went to sell my business. He recommended, you know, everything from how they were kind of structuring the deal, things I should ask for. I mean, I had never done any of this and, and he was so key. And there was also a year I got audited Mm-hmm. And he knew exactly what to do in that situation and kind of how to show up and very much instructed me what to say and what not to say. And sure. ultimately nothing changed in my audit. And I know it was because of, you know, how he coached me. And then my attorney was very expensive far more than I probably needed the day I started, but worth every penny when I went to sell my business, not only for the way that we structured the sale, but part of the sale included me coming on with the new company. And he didn't like the non-compete language. And he's like, look, if they're going to make you do all this, they need to pay you a lot more for it. And he's like, you know, he really thought worst case scenario, you know, you think you're going to like working for these guys, but there's a good chance you won't. And so let's go ahead and build this and this in. And it turned out the wording that he added into my contract got me paid for two years after I quit. And that wasn't in there. And so that was worth every nickel I paid him, you know? So those were really important. And I, then I think also along the lines of that was as I grew my business, I looked up my professional networking. So at first I would go to more like chamber of commerce, those kinds of things where you can network. But then as my business grew and like, once I was running a over a million dollar business, I was able to get into the women president's organization for, it was only, you had to have a multi-million dollar business to be in that. I was able to like do some higher level networking. And through that, even just the friends I made and the conversations I, I would have of people who would challenge me to think bigger always really helped me in my end game of, you know, getting the most I could selling my company. Right. Especially because, like I said, I didn't come from a family of entrepreneurs. I didn't have this in my like friendship network or my family network. So I was really fortunate to find the right advisors who I paid, but also pay to be in the right networking circles to where I would have more opportunities to be exposed to all the world of things you need to know if you're trying to grow a business or trying to sell a business. Sure. That's fantastic. So it sounds like they were invaluable, which is great to hear. Um, yeah, absolutely. There's going to be some, there's going to be some people upstairs as accountants that are going to appreciate that. So <laughs> well, that's, that's incredible. I, I, I feel like a common theme that I keep hearing in these kinds of conversations, especially in your conversation is, you know, have a passion and and pursue it like no one else, you know, like no one else in the world cares as much as you do. But being willing to reinvent yourself sounds like a very important part and being willing to take a step back and say, okay, maybe I need to change my approach to this. And then also building and maintaining and keeping those really, really good positive relationships with everyone you come in contact with, because you never know when someone's going to probably help you out, right? Yeah. And sometimes the people that help you out aren't the people who you think will. Like sometimes your friends will cheer for you, but it's like a friend of a friend who hears what you're doing. And is like, oh my gosh, I've got to introduce you to so-and-so they're doing something similar. And maybe you guys can work together in some way. Or, you know, it's like you do, you got to kind of just keep 
sharing what you're passionate about and what you're doing. And the people who help you the most usually are people that you kind of, they're drawn to you from some reason, you know, and, and it all comes together, whether you've talked about it or maybe a friend's talked about you to them and they end up becoming your cheerleader and you just kind of knew them. So that that's been, I think an interesting thing. I mean, but of course I also did have a grandma who like did everything for me. (laughs) And my day that I paid her back was like my proudest day ever. Oh wow. I I paid her back in full and I was super proud. Just curious. Well, I mean, I paid the bank. So I was paying interest as I went and I just paid it. So there was no loan anymore. So he didn't make any money off me. I was always just like, you know, paying the bank back but she, yeah she that was a really proud feeling. day and right, I think uh, she got the pride in you uh, Sarah how did you decide to start the blog blogs are a tough concept and I remember talking with you early on and you said this is not that easy and you don't make money right off the bat when you have a blog site so I mean it's taken off so well but yeah. I mean, especially, you know, when I started the blog, I was in my late thirties. I'm not like the most tech savvy. I didn't learn like WordPress in college or anything like that, but I did hire a young hipster to come over and teach me <laughs> how to get on, how to do all these yeah, things, yeah. you know, yeah. and I do that all the time. I find young people who like know this so fast to come over yeah. and show me as I go how to do things that, are super secondhand nature to them, but are a little more difficult to me. And I really, again, sort of upped my network. Like once I had the blog going, I looked for ways to become brand ambassadors. I niched myself in only writing about the highest end travel brands. And at first, to get them to work with me, I just went and paid to go stay there, full on paid sure. for it, and said, Hey, I'm going to write this up. And then I got them to start using their social media to amplify the work that I'm doing, to repost my reviews. And then eventually they were reaching out to me and wanting, Hey, you know, I want you to feature us on your Instagram. I want you to feature us on your website. And I started learning more about SEO searching and how to. If somebody's looking to go to Four Seasons Maui with their kids, how to make sure that if they put that into Google, my article is on the first page of search results. And, you know, I think the biggest key in both of my businesses, both the blog and then the promotions business, and now my travel agency is knowing what you're good at and then paying everybody else to do everything else. Get people who specialize. And a lot of times you don't need them to be employees. Like nowadays, there are people that are so finely specialized in every little thing. You might only need them for an hour a week or two hours a week. So it's better to get somebody who specializes in just that one thing and pay them for that one thing and then have somebody else specializing on this other thing, pay them for that other thing. And altogether, you might be paying for less than one employee, but you might be getting 10 different specialists to work on their specific gift to elevate your business. I did that both with when I had, and even when I had actual employees, Mm -hmm. 
I figured out what each one was best at. And just instead of having them be generalists, I had them all be very specialized and just work the chain of orders by their specialty. And once we started doing that, the business grew so much faster because everybody was doing what they loved. Getting back to like, you know, what we were talking about. If you're stuck doing something that you hate doing, it's going to take you longer. You're not going to be passionate about it. And I know I hate that as an entrepreneur. And that was why I started the business in the first place. I wanted a team. I wanted other people to be writing up these orders and dealing with the details of making sure that everything was perfection when it showed up. And I'm still that same way. I I, I try to, as much as possible, the things that are not my true gift, find somebody who can do it for me quickly and they're great at what they do. And usually when you're just hiring for this one specific niche, a lot of times it's not that expensive. The only time it's expensive is like when we were talking before about hiring the attorneys and the accountants and the, you know, the people that are really going to cover you, you know, to make sure that all your I's are dotted and your T's are crossed. And you're sure. So you mentioned having 30 bloggers. Do you have any other employees currently? Nope. Nope. So no overhead. That's fantastic. I have no overhead. It's all on my blog. I am a independent consultant for a big agency that's in New York and in LA. So I get the benefit of all their volume of business. So sure. if I book you, you know, I, I'm part of them, but I have like no rules. You know, they, I just, they just, they pay for all the, they have used their accountants to pay me. They use their you know, software, all their things. And I just tap into it and I do get a little less of, you know, a payout for those services, but it's well worth it because I don't have to hire anyone and it allows me the freedom. I mean, part of why I was so drawn to this, like I told you, is I just wanted to travel with my kid. And so, you know, I can be off traveling and their team is overseeing my business while I'm gone. And when that happens, I just, I just give them a bigger piece of my commissions and no money really exchanges. You do kind of have one employee, Sarah, and he's so cute and he's a short little guy. (laughs) And and what does he think of what mom is doing and how do you think that's built resilience in him? I'm, I'm always for teaching our kids lessons by modeling. And I think what you're doing has to be such a great example for him. You know, thank you. So yes, my son, Harry, is the original well-traveled kid. And so when he was like three years old was when I started well-traveled kids and he's 10 now. And eventually, you know, he had been on all these property tours with me where we, when we check in, you know, they make a big deal out of him. And he always sees me give my business cards. And he was like, mom, I'm the well-traveled kid. Like the brand is me. I need a business card. And so he has business cards. He like asks questions about every hotel, his like games that he loved, like he keeps the the room keys, you know, nowadays they look kind of like credit cards and that's what he plays. He plays store with or his room key credit cards. He at one point had our whole upstairs set up like a hotel and each room, like you would check into this room and then he would take you to the next room. And so through the work that he's actually been there to see me build this business, he's seen both how my job works, but also how hotels are run. You know, he's been to tons of 
dinners at the hotels where they want me to write about the restaurants and they come out and they present the meal and they talk about how it's made and we have to take pictures of them and then write about like what we think of things. And so for a 10 year old, he's got a pretty advanced education and he knows how to get an Uber, you know, how to make it through the, the airport. And I think he's pretty proud of me when he goes to school, he's always showing off his picture on my website. Cause there's a whole thing about him, you know, my little travel sidekick on there. And at one point he had turned 10 and he's like, mom, you haven't updated your site. It says I'm nine. <laughs> so, so I do think he's proud and I, I think he shows it off to his friends, you know, that he's kind of, oh, he is a great little guy. Kid. I've seen him in action traveling and he, you wouldn't have known he was a four year old eating at a nice restaurant. Well, and it's kind of funny. So when lockdown first happened, like I said, I wasn't busy with much and, and he was just really bored and lonely because, you know, nobody was leaving their homes and he's the only child. And he decided after watching, we were watching Jimmy Fallon at home every night that he wanted to start a business. He wanted to start his own show and call it Sunday Nights with Harry because he said, well, Jimmy Fallon's on during the week and Saturday Night Live's on on Saturday nights, but there's nothing on Sunday nights to watch. And he's like, I want my own show on Sunday nights. And I'm like, okay. But he's like, he knew he's like, I want I need my own Facebook, my own Instagram. He's like, I want to sell, I want to sell merchandise. And so, and he's like, I need a logo. So before we get big, yeah, he was like, he learned from the best. He, He knows. So from day one, we created a logo. We, you know, had a brand name. He designed his own show plan and we did 10 episodes of Sunday night with Harry and then things kind of opened up a little bit and I've been trying to get him to go back to it. So hopefully there will be a season two. But, you know, obviously I think from seeing me create brands and and just make up my own businesses and be an entrepreneur and inspired him where he needed the merchandise even to get started. Right, right. <laughs> I, I can't wait to see what Harry does when he gets to be. <laughs> well, thanks. <laughs> Well, that's fantastic. Sarah, I appreciate this so much. I had a blast talking. Hopefully we can maybe do it again sometime. How can people find your website? How can they find you? Well, I would love it if people visited my website. It's welltraveledkids.com. And they can find any sort of travel advice on there. Or if they're looking to book a fabulous trip of their own, I would love to help them. And they can email me at sarah at welltraveledkids. And I will save them money, get them upgrades and lots of perks. So that's fantastic. All around a good deal. Yeah, no, it sounds like a great deal. Again, thank you so much. Lisa, thanks for introducing us. Always enjoy the guests that you bring good on. Good seeing so. you again, Sarah. It was great to see you both. And I, I'm happy to talk entrepreneurship anytime. I think for those people brave enough to go for it, the rewards will you'll reap the rewards for a lifetime. It's it's a really exciting way to live. That's great. Thanks, Sarah. Thank you. You've reached the end of another episode of Let's Talk Business. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review our podcast on your podcast app, Spotify, or iTunes. Thanks for listening, and don't forget to make light.